Thank you for listening to or watching another episode of Repeat Theater. This is going to be my review of Iron Man 2. If you're listening to this in any of the other locations as this hits, you can watch these live Monday through Thursday at repeattheaterlive.com. Repeattheaterlive.com brings you to the YouTube channel. If you want to support directly, you can go to repeattheater.com. Just remove the word live. Repeattheater.com will take you to the Patreon. Repeattheaterlive.com brings you to the YouTube. You can click uh, subscribe and the bell button. That helps support me. We should be unlocking monetization this week and I should be able to turn on memberships and you can use that to submit questions get in the discord be a part of the watch parties uh, the schedule right now is the Marvel Cinematic Universe chronologically on Mondays and then Stranger Things Breaking Bad uh, and then we'll be jumping into Mandalorian season one so get involved get in the conversations and be here it's a really really good time and yes you can look up repeat theater on any podcast platform so Iron Man 2 is, a, is an interesting one for me this is like the third or fourth time I've seen it And for some reason, I always go into it thinking that I'm not going to like it or like that I don't enjoy it. I think it's mainly because I think Iron Man 2 and 3 get some criticism from fans and then that starts to kind of infect my brain. I actually really liked Iron Man 2 and I always go into it maybe with low expectations. Maybe that always helps me enjoy it more. Uh, I actually think it starts off really strong. The I Am Iron Man press conference kind of gets revisited, but you're seeing it from the perspective of of, uh, of the Russian, and he, you know, the, the 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 his dad is dying and all this other thing. So you see it from a very very different perspective, and then you know his dad says it should be you, and he dies, and. I actually like the contrast here. It's very, very different. I think you you see this more notably when you watch these movies very, very close together. Originally, if you watch them super far apart, you might not have picked up on this, but he's got the arc reactor Stark Industries blueprints, and then he's hammering on the anvil, and he's building this stuff. It actually is very, very... I think intentional, and it's mimicking how Tony built the suit in the cave, and yet... Tony kind of had to do it all by hand and figure it all out, and this guy's got the blueprints, like, in his possession for some reason. We don't know why at this point in the movie. You find that out later. And I actually loved that contrast against the Iron Man uh, suit, the origin of the suit creation. Uh, And then he creates one. Like, this is how the movie opens. This other guy... (laughs) Excuse me. this, This, you know, this Russian guy creates a little teeny arc reactor and you're like uh this is not good we, we, we don't want this technology elsewhere and then they you know then they fast forward six months later they're at the stark expo and i as a character arc i love tony stark's character arc and i always forget how it doesn't really take him long to sort of he embraces a celebrity aspect of iron man it's almost cheesy and i'm glad they did this i think it helps his growth as a character and what he even does in this movie in particular and how he sort of gets confronted later by some characters. I actually like that they did this. He didn't just all of a sudden like, oh, I'm Iron Man, so now I'm motivated to do good and do right. It takes him a while uh, to get there. And in this particular instance, he lands on the stage. He's super cocky, super arrogant. He's talking about, you know, everything's kind of about him. Uh, but then, then very, very quickly, his ego's front and center. And then he goes backstage and he's got this blood toxicity thing that he's doing. It's at 19%. He still seems haunted uh, by, by something pretty serious. And we don't quite know what it is yet. But I like that he he seems so, oh, he's got it all. You know, it's, it's stark. But there's something else uh, dark and more serious going on, which I think was needed. It was good to kind of almost immediately chop him down. 
Then he gets handed a subpoena, summons when he's leaving the expo, and is for a hearing in DC. They want him to turn over the suit. They consider it a weapon, and he won't give it to them. He says it's a, <laughs> it's an enhanced prosthetic, and he's like, look, you can't have it. And then we get introduced to Hammer. And Sam Rockwell's great. I, I think this was a good choice on the casting uh, side of things. I, I'm a big fan of Sam Rockwell. I thought he did a great job. He's sort of a mixture of arrogance and and insecurity, but also he's kind of pushy because he's got lots of money. He's got. I think he carries the character well uh, in a way that's that, that's believable. Because there's some really good scenes later with him. He's not just sort of like the cliche dumb dumb bad guy. He actually is pretty motivated and pretty. In some respects, he's kind of ruthless. Um, and then Rhodey shows up and they always said this was supposed to be sort of a, uh, a a little bit of a, uh, maybe a statement to the audience about why all of a sudden it's a different actor. And he says, I didn't expect to see you here. He says, it's me. I'm here. Deal with it. And I think that was supposed to be sort of like a soft aside to the audience of like, yes, we've changed the actor. Get over it. Um, <laughs> I don't know if that was, you know, the the, the, the direct the direct reason for it. But I, I like seeing it. I actually like uh, seeing it in that way. Um, st- you know, Stark hacks the screens. They're, they're, they're saying, you know, they got roads going through these, these uh, satellite images about, oh, man, you know, people are trying to create these suits. And Stark embarrasses them. He hacks the scene, the screens. He shows that none of these places are, you know, they're like ten years out from building what he's got. And you know, he says Hammer Industries probably twenty. And then his famous line, "I privatized world peace," and he does the peace sign. And then the guy gets really mad and like cusses at him. <laughs> he says like "f you" to him. Um, and I like, I really, I thought this was a believable tension because they're putting Iron Man in today's world with you know today's you know u.s government and it seemed like yeah this is what they would do they'd be like you need to give us the suit this is a matter of national security all those token buzzwords that they would like to throw out it seemed very very believable um and then we learned that the iron man suit is actually uh, accelerating his condition the, the suit that's keeping him alive the palladium core is keeping him alive but it's also killing him and I, it's it's a re- it's a really good like uh, you know sort of I, I don't know if it's it's not really a juxtaposition it's like a catch-22 that he needs the suit but it's killing him and he's doing everything he can to figure it out and in the midst of this he realizes that Pepper Potts should be the one that runs Stark Industries. He makes her the CEO. He says she's the only worthy successor. I think this is actually one of the better uh, elements of the story and of the narrative. Pepper's one of my favorite characters. I actually think she's one of the strongest characters in the franchise. Uh, she just is able to step in. Not only does she is she able to like manage Tony, she steps in and, and running Stark Industries. On a, you know, kind of on a dime, she's suddenly running Stark Industries and runs it very well. Uh, and I, 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 there's some good scenes in this where you can tell she's she's respected and she's seen as a, as a good CEO. And this also, I think, is what's needed for Tony. Like, he can't be the CEO of a company. It doesn't really fit his personality. Uh, and, I, and I like that. Uh, ScarJo shows up. I mean, uh, just a, uh, just very, uh, just absolutely great cast choice there. Uh, not only is she just stunningly beautiful, but she takes down Happy, and it's really, really funny. I love that scene. Pepper's like, oh my gosh. Like, I love, I love the way they set that entire uh, scene up, and Tony, like, rings the bell. <laughs> I also like that they 
they make it clear that she's she is supposed to be just beautiful because even Tony is like just staring at her when he first meets her. He's like drinking his little drink and he's like, um, what? What? Like he doesn't. <laughs> she sort of sets him off a little bit, like off of his heels. He's like he's a little bit taken aback by how attractive she is, and I kind of like that because you never really see Tony at a loss for words <laughs> and I thought that was good how they sort of implemented that in a really subtle way and then it's clear something else is going on here she's you know she takes down happy like it's nothing you know in a in a classic Black Widow uh, fashion with you know spinning up around him and taking him down um Ellen Elon Musk's cameo <laughs> Elon Musk's cameo is phenomenal I always forget about it and I'm like oh my gosh it's him uh, I thought that was pretty funny and then Tony runs into Hammer, and this again, I think, shows uh, he shreds him in mere seconds and then just kind of walks away. The reporter from Iron Man 1 shows up, and, you know, both Pepper and Tony are taking shots. And then he talks about how Hammer had his, his contract canceled, and Hammer's like trying to, you know, oh, it's not canceled, it's on hold. But then again, th- this is kind of a pattern in the movie. He goes from like the ego, like, I'm in control, I'm the man, to suddenly he's at 53%. Like, his blood toxicity is at 53%. And this makes him decide he wants to race the car uh, because he's getting reckless. He's handing off his company. He sells, he gets rid of his entire art collection. That You know, Pepper confronts him about that earlier in the movie. He's just getting rid of everything because, you know, he's he's concerned that he's, uh, he's on his way out. He's going to die. Um, the villain's there. I actually think... Uh, what's his name? Ivan? Yeah, I think his name's Ivan. They only say it a couple of times. I actually thought his reveal was really, really good. He walks out, takes a helmet off. He drops kind of the... He drops the whips. And then the suit burns away his shirt, you know, because it's so hot. I thought that was pretty cool. I think his reveal is actually pretty dope. It's actually really well done. It seems like he's actually on a racetrack slicing cars in half and they go flying over him. Uh, They did a good job in this movie setting up a pretty fantastic scene, but it, it doesn't look cheesy or over the top, you know, special effects. It seems like it seems like it's done really, really well. Um, Happy and Pepper drive out. This is one of the times where you kind of have to suspend, uh, you know, reality and belief. Pepper's not even buckled up in the back. It's a little cheesy that they just drive out there and, you know, they pin the guy in the wall and then he's slicing the car up and... I think sometimes movies get away with this because all of a sudden the cool thing happens. They finally give the case to Tony and it's a whole suit and the suit's really cool. I love the color and the look of this suit in particular. It's one of my favorite Iron Man suits um, in all the movies. And so I think that cool that cool thing makes us forget the fact that like what leads to it is honestly kind of stupid that... Yeah, Happy's just like, yeah, let's just drive out there. And, you know, and I I believe Happy would have done it, but Pepper jumping in the back and and not being buckled in, I mean, I don't know. I feel like she would have gotten hurt. He flies into the guy and runs him into the wall, and and Pepper's totally fine. I mean, try and do that. Try and stay in the back of a car at that speed (laughs) and, and, you know, hitting a wall. Uh, So whatever. It's a bit much, but it actually, I think, ends up being a pretty fun scene. And then it ends up being a good fight. Tony's not doing that well. He doesn't look that good. He's losing, uh, but then he finally gets there and he rips the guy's chest off, but he says, you know, he says, you lose, you lose. So, you know, Tony confronts him. And I I actually think this is one of the reasons why I, I end up liking Iron Man 2 more than my, my memory of. It's actually, he's actually a good villain because he says, you come from a family of thieves and butchers, and then he says, if you can make God bleed, 
then the, the world's going to see that. And it, it wasn't about beating him. It was about making him bleed. And I thought that was actually really a good a good angle for a villain to take it what again it wasn't about oh i'm gonna beat tony stark but then uh it actually uh it actually became that later on um and then as he's leaving you know that ivan's pretty intelligent because he says palladium in the chest that's a painful way to die he knows tony's situation is probably dire and that's why he's kind of trying to kick him while he's on his way down um Tony starts acting weird. This again is them kind of trying to humanize him. They're they're trying to push his ego down a little bit. He makes food for Pepper and and Pepper's like, "What are you not telling me?" He clearly is trying to keep this quiet, the fact that he's basically dying and he's handling it in classic Tony fashion. His this is I think a very accurate portrayal of what a narcissist would do, what a what a self uh, a self um sort of a self-obsessed person would do he would figure it out he would solve it he's not going to share this with anybody i think it's pretty consistent with his uh with his character um and then the bad guy gets broken out by hammer and so you know he's he's still around he he's he's still a threat i don't really understand uh the guy that goes in to replace him this scene never makes any sense to me so ivan's in jail a big huge guy with long hair shows up and he looks at his number, and it's the same number, and Ivan realizes, oh, this guy is here, so I can break out. But then that guy gets blown up. Like, there's a huge explosion. Like, that guy dies, I'm assuming. Ivan beats him up and blows him up. Like, why would a guy sign up for that? I don't really understand that part. Um, maybe we're supposed to believe he somehow survives if the explosion's small, and maybe just blows outward, so that he can... He can no, he breaks out with the key. See what I'm saying? The scene doesn't make any sense. Ivan breaks out with a key, and so the bomb is designed to to destroy that guy's body. Like, I don't know where... Um, yeah, I know it's a body double for the investigation after the explosion, but why would you sign up for that? Why would you not fight back? It doesn't make any sense. I get the motivation. I'm talking about the guy... Why would he willingly go in there and not fight back? They don't explain that. It's like, so there's, there's just a random dude roughly his size wanting to go in i don't know maybe they had his family he doesn't even fight back it's so crazy if he didn't willingly do it it's crazy that he doesn't even fight back anyway that's kind of that's kind of a side issue um so you know after after the bad guy gets broken out by hammer Rhodes confronts tony uh and he helps him swap out the chest thing Rhodes sees the infection on his neck tony insists he's going to work on his own um, and I think this plays out really, really well later. Like Tony's trying to fight this on his own. Then Tony have his, has his party. The infection is so bad. Um, he celebrates in the suit. He's acting like a total idiot, total a-hole. Uh, you know, Pepper tries to stop him. He's not kind to her. He's really rude to her, which obviously you're kind of irritated because she has just been so patient and long-suffering with this idiot. And then Rhodes suits up and they end up fighting uh, this has some corniness to it, but I think it works. Like, I think it was needed. Like, you have to have Tony kind of come untethered in front of the world, and this was ne- this was this was a needed thing. And I like there's a little drop line where Rhodes, uh, he tells Rhodes, he's like, you want to be a war machine? A uh, little, you know, little, <laughs> little nugget there, because that's, a, you know, that's what he ends up being called, war machine. Uh, and then there's the big explosion. And then Rhodes leaves with the suit, just takes off with it, runs away with the suit. And then Nick Fury shows up to the donut shop, and I think this is a good turning point. Obviously, you're worried about Tony. You're like, what's going to happen with this nasty infection? 
and they help him uh and they tell him you haven't tried them all he says i've tried every element known to man and there is nothing that will power the suit and he's told you haven't tried them all and then they give him the little injection Rhodes, I think, realizes giving the suit to the U.S. military might be a mistake. You can kind of see some regret on his face after handing the suit over. Again, I think that's just good depth of character there. He's not just betraying his friend. He's potentially handing something to the government that is is dangerous. And maybe it is better in the hands of an individual instead of the government. Uh, Nick Fury tells Tony he's the only one who can solve Howard's discovery. He said, your dad was the one of the founding members of S.H.I.E.L.D. So, a furthering, and, and again, we know this, we watch this chronological, so I actually think chronological flows well here. Chronological has some weird things, so we watched Captain America, then Captain Marvel, then Iron Man 1 and 2. Well, if you watched Captain America first, you know Howard Stark was hanging out with S.H.I.E.L.D. and was, we don't know that he's a founding member, but he was a part of things going on. I actually love um, Coulson here. Uh, we, we, you get little little doses of Coulson, and they get better and better and better. Again, if you watch chronologically, Coulson shows up in Captain Marvel very, very briefly, and then also very briefly in Iron Man Two. And now it's clear he's on a pushover. He tells him, "If you try to if you try to leave, I'll, I'll tase you." Like the, that whole speech he gives him is, I actually think, really, 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 really good. Um, and then and then Tony watches the film. Tony, this is the key to the future. Uh, and this movie has less like gut busting comedy like usually the comedy is really really good in Marvel and this movie has less of it but I still think it's really really good one of my favorite moments is the strawberry salesman he's like are you Iron Man and he's like sometimes he's like we believe in you like as he drives away (laughs) I love that that's like one of the funniest moments I think in the movie I like to I like to point out the comical moments because I actually think these movies have very very good uh, comedic timing and, and things are written really well and I like that this leads to Pepper finally putting Tony in his place. Um, he's been an idiot. He's been kind of childish, which is co- you come to expect that from him in not telling anybody he was dying or anything else. And she puts him in his place. And I think this is one of the better scenes for establishing her character. She's not just intelligent. She, you know, it's obviously she, she's brilliant. She's running this company. She just steps in and takes over Sark Industries but she's also a good person like she's being a good friend to him she knows when to kind of put him in his place and and kind of give him a bit of a gut check a needed gut check and then tony takes home the model because he thinks he sees something and this leads to you know one of the cooler moments in, in in the show that he breaks it down he discovers a new element like the whole video that led him to realize this actual somehow his dad put this in this model of this city and Tony was the only one at this point who had the technology to break it down and and then not just break it down but create a brand new element Um, Coulson finds the, the cap shield and that's obviously if you if you watch it in release order you're like oh captain america a little little easter egg right that ooh captain america might show up well we watched it chronological so that that moment's not that cool that moment was really cool i remember the first time i saw it that moment was really cool i was like oh, that's probably means they're making a captain america movie right and then I thought a really good dialogue interchange between them was Coulson said, we need you. And Tony says, more than you know. And Coulson's like, not that much. That's obviously, you know, it, it's not necessarily foreshadowing. But if you've watched the entire MCU, 
MCU, you know how significant that is to Tony's narrative and how much he ends up uh, in, in many of the movies, how often he kind of is willing to put himself in harm's way and be sacrificial. Um, and then congratulations, sir. You've created a new element. Great, great, great moment. Obviously, you see the triangle, the triangle suit because uh, he's got the new he's got the new element shape. Um, Hammer leaves Ivan with some guards. We know how that's going to go. The bad guy calls Tony. Uh, and then Tony realizes he can't wait for the element to be tested. So he just slaps it in his chest and he's off to the races. Hammer's presentation includes Rhodes and then Iron Man shows up. I actually thought this was a pretty good, uh, kind of convergence of all the different characters. Cause you, you do, everybody wanted to see Iron Man and War Machine fight side by side. Uh, no matter what you say, I mean, this this screenshot we have here, we all wanted this. Everybody wanted to see these guys fight side by side, and I think it actually ends up being a pretty fun fight. Even though they're just, like, robots getting mowed down, it's enjoyable. It's just, it's good, fun Iron Man action. It doesn't always need to be, you know, the scope and size of what you see in, like, the Avengers movie. Um, And so, the, the Pepper... I actually like how she, she, uh, they Pepper and Nat, they show up to Hammer and they kind of show him up. They kind of like kick him out. They're like, get this guy out of here. Um, ScarJo tells Happy to take her to Hammer Industries, and I think that leads to some fun. You finally get to kind of see Black Widow in in action. She's fighting. She's kicking. She's taking people out. I think it's, it's very, very well done. Uh, I, I think ScarJo was the right pick because. Even though she's just dropped dead gorgeous, it's believable. Like, she sells it. You feel like, yeah, she's a martial arts expert. She's kicking the crap out of these guys. I think she does a really good job. Obviously, she probably has a body double for some of it. But sometimes I think it might have been difficult to know, like, who could we pick for this that needs to look like supermodel level of, of attractiveness. I think that's one of the attributes of her character is that, you know, she uses that in some of the instances to disarm people because they think, oh, she's just so pretty, she couldn't possibly, bam, 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 you know, and she's ripping them up. I think she does a great, great job, and then, you know, Happy finally beats one guy, and he's like, got him. Again, Happy getting a little emasculated by her, just like in the boxing ring. Uh, Iron Man and War Machine, um, they plan the attack, all the drones show up, and then there's some cool moments, you know, Rhodey get down, he does a little spin move, he's like, it's kind of a one-off. And then, you know, the bad guy shows up, the ex-wife, Dud from Hammer, more, I think, pretty good comedy. I liked how they continued to kind of take shots at Hammer. Um, and then he says, could really use a sidekick, and then boom. So they, they use what they've already remembered that they did at the birthday fight, like when they shoot at each other, and it causes a big explosion in the middle. So the birthday fight kind of comes back here. They realize, oh, wow, there's a lot of strength in the two of us shooting together, and they blow him up. And then he says, you lose. He realizes what's going on, so Iron Man saves Pepper. This leads to a pretty funny moment where they finally kiss. We've been waiting and waiting uh, for them to have like an actual romantic moment that isn't like interrupted uh, and they finally have their kiss but then Rhodey's up there and says you look like two seals fighting over a grape uh, <laughs> I thought that was good you never want these movies to take themselves too seriously with like their romance angle and I thought that was a good job I think from here on out uh, Tony and Pepper's interactions are just very believable and very genuine I actually enjoy it very much um, then Tony uses favor for uh, two, I'm sorry. Tony uses fury for a favor, uh, and they make the congressman from the beginning 
pin them. <laughs> and he says something about like, it's funny how a little prick like that because he pricks him with the thing. I think that's a really, really good scene. Uh, I like it. Um, but then they go to the scene where he's only being considered as a consultant. He's, he's a classic narcissist. He doesn't play well with others and they're only going to use him as a consultant. And I like that S.H.I.E.L.D. is around, S.H.I.E.L.D. is present, but they're like, yeah, we're not really interested in working with you. And that's kind of the end of Iron Man 2. So I really enjoy this movie. I always go into it thinking that it's one of the ones I don't like and then I end up liking it a lot. Uh, it's good development of Tony's character he's super egotistical but also haunted he's gonna die obviously the movie ends and you know he's not gonna die but he's also kind of learning some humility Pepper puts him in his place you know he gets put in his place multiple times even by uh, Nick Fury um, and Black Widow and then he ends the movie kind of like not only like okay now he's got a relationship that's potentially starting but also Shield's kind of like yeah no we're good uh, we're good. <laughs> and I like that. It's, it's, he's coming along, but not yet. He's sort of incomplete. He's an incomplete package at this point. And I, I like that they kind of leave that. And then obviously the after credits runs really, really well into chronological. This is one of the better times that the after credits, post credits runs right into chronological. Cause the next movie in the chronological is Thor. And Coulson finds the Thor hammer out in the desert, and we're off to that for next week. So if you're if you guys are enjoying repeat theater, again, these are shows. Shows are Monday through Thursday, uh, around 3 p.m. Eastern, live on YouTube, and you can always listen to these elsewhere if you'd rather listen to them as just a podcast as audio. Uh, and we'll be doing Thor next week, and all this week we've got the schedule for Stranger Things, Knives Out, Breaking Bad, and we will be starting Mandalorian as well. Watching it this week and watch parties and discussing it next week on the 29th. So if you're listening to this or watching in the other locations if there is a Q&A or a VIP session after this I'll put links below but that is based on demand only and we'll see what the audience wants to do as always if you're listening or watching elsewhere please like share and subscribe thank you for listening to or watching another episode of repeat theater we are going to be going through a Q&A session after the Iron Man 2 movie review. Repeat Theater is like a book club for movies and TV shows. It goes live on YouTube Mondays through Thursdays around 3 p.m. Eastern. If you want to support this channel directly, you could use Patreon. Go to repeattheater.com. We should have the monetization options turned on very soon on the channel, so there should be a join button very soon if you want to support that way as well. That's how you submit these questions. Or take part in the VIP call-ins that happen sporadically, but they have been very enjoyable. So the first question here from JB says, I thought Iron Man 2 was a decent movie, but I felt it was overwhelmed with a bunch of different plot lines. It makes it hard to fully grasp. Thoughts? Yeah, it's kind of like they... I don't think they wanted it to be just Tony the whole time, so they tried to kind of spice it up. You had multiple threads with Tony. Number one, Tony dying, Tony's ego, uh, and then Tony fighting the government, and then Tony fighting the bad guys. So Tony's got like eight plates that he's spinning, you know, and then you also have the bad guy. You have Hammer. You have Hammer and the bad guy together. You have Pepper taking control over the company. Uh, You have S.H.I.E.L.D. attempting to have some oversight over Tony with, you know, uh... ScarJo showing up, and then all of a sudden Nick Fury and Coulson and everything else, and they basically put him on house arrest to solve you know, uh to, to, to solve his, like, you know, infection problem. So I do think maybe it gets a little muddy because it maybe they tried to jam too much into the movie. Maybe they could have saved um, some 
some uh, like some of it for another movie or something but it was almost like this needed to happen they needed to figure out the the poison they needed to figure out uh you know the bad guy they need to figure out what you know what's what's the government's role going to be in this like i think they wanted that realistic influence over everything that was going on so it makes it it makes it a bit busy but i do think that maybe they could have shuffled some of this into iron man 3 and it would have given iron man 3 maybe a little bit more substance um i'm not really sure if there was a particular reason why they felt the need to put so much in this one. I really enjoy it, but I, I I will agree it gets a little busy. You're not really sure, you know. It, it almost feels like a, a plot line buffet. It just hops from thing to thing to thing. You got the threat of the bad guy, then you got you know Tony's ego is kind of going wild. Then you got the threat of the disease. Then the government wants his suit, you know, and then he's fighting, and then he makes Pepper CEO, and he's getting rid of all the stuff at his company you know, and then he fights with Rhodes and then Rhodes takes the suit. Now the government has the suit. Like it does sort of hop from plot line to plot line pretty quickly. And it doesn't feel as linearly driven as Iron Man one. I'm Iron Man one. It's like starts out pretty basic. Boom. Suddenly chaos. Boom. He's in prison. Boom. He breaks out. Now he's making the suit. Now he's making the changes. Now you learn who the real bad guy is. Um, it is a little bit more linear than this one. Having said that, I really, really like this movie. Um, mainly for, I honestly like it the most for Pepper and uh, and sort of her, her she gets sort of thrust into a, a tough position and I think she handles it really well and Tony's just all over the place. So I think her, I think, I think Pepper's presence in the movie, I really, really enjoy because she, she plays a significant role in the franchise that I don't think it's noticed enough. I think she gets glossed over and I think it's unfortunate because a lot of the, a lot of the characters and, and, and heroes in the series are not necessarily suiting up and fighting. And so I think, Unfortunately, I think people kind of maybe tend to gloss over her a little bit. Uh, and also, you know, her, her, her handling of Tony and ScarJo and everything and suddenly having like Happy at her disposal. I think they did a good job with that, like making it feel believable that like suddenly she was kind of in charge and calling the shots and Tony, Tony kind of feels a little sidelined. I like that humble pie, you know, that he kind of gets served up. I think it's good. I think it's needed. Um... As someone who identifies with some of his character traits of being, um, you know, I struggle with narcissism and, and, and being self-absorbed, and I have a wife who tells me how it is and kind of puts me in my place sometimes. So I always appreciate appreciate a good relationship dynamic where there's a smart and 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 confident, you know, woman who will put you know put the narcissist in his place because <laughs> you we you know we need that you know uh we we need to be you know chopped down a peg uh from time to time and so i think uh i think she brings something that that makes it it, it brings a good i think it brings something good to uh to the franchise it kind of keeps Tony it keeps tony grounded it keeps him grounded uh, Giza with the next question. Do you feel there is deliberate continued theme with Tony having to overcome personal crisis that ultimately develop his character into the hero we would need? Yeah, see, sometimes I wonder if that's part of his heroic origin story. It's not that just he discovers the suit. It's that the suit tends to purify his flaws, if that makes sense. Um, 
facing his own mortality in the cave and continuing to face his mortality has an effect on him that I think is purifying. Now, obviously, it makes him act kind of stupid and foolish in this movie. He's just getting rid of his art collection. He, you know, he's being kind of reckless. He's partying. He could have hurt somebody, killed somebody at his party. He's just he's drunk in the, in the suit, which is uh, that's not a that's that's not a, a good look. But the process of him going through that pure like i think helps purify him as a person his character flaws start to get put more in check uh and he starts to see things better and more accurately i mean the need for him to comb back over his the footage of his dad and making the new element you know and and hearing his dad say you know out of all my the the things i've ever made you're my life's greatest work I think some of that helps reorient uh, and heal Tony, not just the physical healing he goes through because of the infection from the palladium, but I feel like he goes through a healing process like as a person. Um, and I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm over, maybe psychologizing it too much because of what I've gone through, through my own therapy and healing, but I definitely did feel that the infection in the suit and being faced with death makes him a better hero makes him more heroic than just a guy in a suit just some egomaniac in a suit likely could have made him a worse hero similarly to the mythology in in captain america where they don't want to give the serum to a bully because it'll it'll amplify that the power of the suit and the prestige that came with it you could kind of see unchecked his ego at the beginning is kind of going wild even though he's facing you know imminent seemingly imminent death it's still it's still his ego is is being fueled by it he can almost you know be delusional in in seeing how great he actually is uh so i do i i think his character arc is is really really excellent i think it it makes me like him and i and i identify with him more as the franchise goes on and as things change and as he changes the influence tony has over the Avengers, the other characters, and the outcomes of certain situations, I think is you can appreciate it more knowing how nuts and self-absorbed he was in the beginning. They don't waste any time. I mean, Iron Man 1, he's sleeping around. He's not even going to award ceremonies. He's not even taking the award with him. He's totally full of himself. Um, and he gets completely chopped down to size. He ends up you know, in a bunch of different situations that are almost antithetical to where he starts. And you appreciate, I I don't want to get into spoiler territory because there are probably some people who are going through this for the very first time, maybe haven't gotten all the way to the end yet with Endgame. But yeah, they, they really do a lot of great things with this character. So if it's your first time watching, I won't spoil it. You've, I think you've got good things ahead, especially if you like him. Some people don't like him. My wife can't stand him. (laughs) Uh, JB, I also feel that this movie lacked the sense of urgency a typical super movie, a superhero movie has. Tony going through a crisis and the two villains just didn't make it feel that dire. Um, yeah, it certainly didn't feel like a crisis. It did. It certainly didn't feel dire. It was more about the long-term effect of his poison, his poisoned body potentially dying. Right? What would that lead to? And the long-term effects of the government coming in and interfering and being like, give us a suit. And he's like, nah, nobody's even close to making a suit. And then within a very short amount of time, it's clear the technology is being created by somebody else and could be created by others, which is going to have a long-term effect. 
if you want to think if you want to think long long term here without getting into spoilers just think civil war right this is the beginning of the meta narrative in some respects it is it's the beginning of the meta narrative it's the beginning of the government saying these persons or people or or this suit is too powerful to not be under our control and i think that's actually a really important element that iron man 2 plays in the overarching story uh in the mcu now that makes for less crisis feeling less oh my gosh what's the what are we gonna be able to win it it doesn't feel quite that urgent i think you're right this is the this is the middle movie too now i don't i know the third movie people are disappointed with and especially if you're a huge fan of iron man and the mandarin and that storyline a lot of people don't like the third movie but i think that's probably how they viewed this movie at the time they did they likely didn't know where they were going with the third movie and so it's possible that this was seen as the we need to move the story and the character forward but it's not going to be mega significant does that make sense like you can only do so much with the character without if it's super significant you're always going to have to top that this is more like a establishing tony as iron man but also establishing tony's as iron man in the world as it exists like what would that look like and i think um I think they do a good job with it. I really, really do. I, like I said, I always go into this movie thinking like I don't like Iron Man two, and then I come out of it being like, oh, I really like this one. By the way, if you're new and enjoying the discussion, we do this all the time. Repeat Theater is a live, interactive podcast Monday through Thursdays. We're working through the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Stranger Things, Mandalorian, Breaking Bad. If these shows interest you, make sure you're subscribed. We should unlock monetization this week. If you become a paying member, we do watch parties in the Discord, uh, and then we do discussions Monday through Thursday. It's really, really, really good time, and we're having a lot of good response. So if you're new, thanks for being here. Smash the like button. We're almost to 100 likes, and we love to see the subscriber count go up as well Deathblood says with the whole MCU coming how impactful do you think this movie is in the overall arc I mean I already touched on how they plant the seed for what ultimately leads to Civil War and what ultimately leads to things beyond Civil War that we don't want to get into the details of so I actually think this, this, this movie does a decent job priming that pump but I also think it sets up the relational aspect of Tony Stark. So this movie ends and he's now relationally to different degrees of an or another. He's relationally connected or more personally connected to Pepper. Um, we, we know him and happy are like bosom, bosom buddies, but he's more now relationally and intimately connected to Pepper Rhodes and him have now fought alongside each other and have are basically, you know, not a sidekick, but because he doesn't, he doesn't want to be a sidekick. Rhodes, I think, is a little bit too, uh, he, he's too strong and too, too much of a soldier to be considered a sidekick. But so he's now more connected to Rhodes. Now he's more connected to Shield. He basically worked for Shield uh, and for himself, and Shield helped him. So now he's connected to Shield, Coulson, Black Widow, uh, Samuel L., uh, Samuel L. Jackson, Nick Fury. So. What they've done now is they've taken Iron Man and connected him to other characters that will, uh, that will, there's, there's arcs there. There's, I think there's really, really good arcs with all those characters now being connected to Tony Stark. And I think that's important in his character development. He, it's not just him. It isn't. 
He's not on his own. He's not fighting on his own. That's what Nick Fury is trying to drive home to him. And what do they conclude? You know, he's he's a, he's a classic narcissist who doesn't play well with others. They say that at the end of the, the movie. And that theme starts to erode and this is the beginning of that erosion the fact that he's even considering working with shield and even reads the the character chart on him i think is a, is a sign that the that the defenses in the shield of like oh i don't want to work with other people it's starting to those those defenses are starting to come down and tony is is more i think more open and so i think that sets him up uh, for for a great arc where you care more about him uh, it's hard to care about a character who nobody's attached to and that fundamentally changes about him long term so this is the beginning of that so there's obviously the the entire narrative of the MCU and the government that gets sort of set in motion but now Tony is a lot more connected to, to the people around him because the giant narrative this entire time is he's going to fight it on his own he's going to fight it on his own he tells Rhodey he's going to fight it on his own he won't tell Pepper they're in the plane she's like what are you not telling me? He won't tell her. And so that they're they're pushing against that theme. And at the end, he's on a rooftop kissing Pepper Potts and Rhodey's joking with him after they just fought together side by side. And then he ends in a conversation with uh, Nick Fury. So it's clear he's he's now more open to, to human connections and help uh, than he was before. And that's kind of needed, isn't it? You know, for the Avengers initiative to work, you got to have people coming together and working together rabble rouser with the next question i like sam rockwell but he seems to play the same character in every movie enthusiastic goofball have you noticed this um obviously he can get a little typecast but if you watch the green mile and then you watch moon and then you watch matchstick men i i I have to disagree pretty strongly after watching those movies it depends on what you watch but especially i think if you watch moon and you watch the green mile um, I, I I think he is an absolutely brilliant actor, and I I know he's he might be a little typecast. I think maybe Matchstick Men, Matchstick Men, and this character Hammer are similar. I think there might be some similarities there, and uh, Nick Cage I think kind of steals the show in Matchstick Men. Um, but I will say he has a couple of he has a couple of great films in his uh in his in his corner. What's the one where he's the He's the game show host that gets paranoid. That was absolutely brilliant. Another just phenomenal uh, movie with him. If you've not seen that one, that one that is a uh, that is a stellar, stellar movie. Uh, I've not seen. I've actually not been able to catch Hitchhiker's Guide. If if you're thinking maybe there's some similarities there. Is it Mr. Perfect? Is that the one where he hosts the game shows? And he it's a, it's based on a real a real person, a real guy who came up with all those game shows and he was paranoid and claimed like the government and all the stuff he was working with the government. Oh man, that he is so so good uh, in that. So, I can't remember the name of it though. It's it's a movie it's it's no no, it's not Matchstick Men. It's not Magic Man. I watched it with a friend of mine. I was like, I've never heard of this movie, and I'm a huge Sam Rockwell fan. I like him in virtually everything I've ever seen him in. Uh, but I can't think of the name of the movie. All you got to do, honestly, is uh, is watch. Honestly, is watch Moon. I mean, uh, apparently they're going to do a TV series, Princess Bride, and he's going to play Wesley. It's it's that's. I did not know that was even going to be um, a thing. 
Uh, I didn't see him in... I've not seen Vice. I know he was in that. Uh, the Dark of Night, I think, is the one of the ones my brother recommended me that I haven't watched yet. Um, what's the one where he's... What is the one where he is a, he's a game show host? Um, is it older? I didn't see Seven Psychopaths either. either. I can't remember the name of it. Gentlemen, no, no, he did. Oh, Moon, Moon, Frost, Nixon, and he's in the assassination of Jesse James. Confessions of a Dangerous Mind. Oh, I think that's it. I think that's it. Was that before? Yeah, 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 yeah. Confessions of a Dangerous Mind. He plays uh, the game show uh, impersario Chuck Barris. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Watch that. Confessions of a Dangerous Mind. I would I would watch that one if you're curious about uh, Sam Rockwell's versatility. Sorry, the Q&A just got a little hijacked, but I wanted to make sure we got that one out there. Yeah. So check out Moon, Confessions of a Dangerous Mind, Green Mile, Matchstick Men. The guy's got, he's got a lot of movies in his, in his Rolodex that I think are more than just the, the enthusiastic goofball, as you call him. Uh, Super Tejito says, what are your thoughts regarding Ivan as a villain? I personally feel his backstory makes him compelling. Also, the line regarding making God bleed is fitting toward Tony. Yeah, and see, this is why I like him as a villain. He's not overstated. He's not exaggerated. He's not hyperbolic. He is, he's intelligent. He's methodical. And he, it's, it's not this big elaborate plan. He's not trying to tear down a city or a building or the banking systems. No, he wants to make Iron Man bleed. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. He's at Rockwell's in JoJo Rabbit. I've heard that too. JoJo the Rabbit's like really good. I've heard that. I think ScarJo's in that as well. Um, yeah, I actually enjoy him as a villain because it's it's so... It's more understated. He doesn't sort of steal the show. He's not sort of... Um, He's not the the grandiose, you know, sociopath villain who goes on a speech and is like, no, he's he he's it's very very basic for him, and he succeeds in his mission. He's like, you lose, you know. He makes God bleed. He chops Tony down. Uh, he chops him down a couple pegs, and it has an effect. It has an effect. But obviously, Tony you know, Tony rebounds from it and ends up, ends up coming out on top. Um, and you know, and I think him and war machine fighting him was, was actually pretty cool. Um, I do think I was glad that when they fight him at the end, it's not a, um, it's not a super long drawn out thing. Cause I don't think they wanted to get into another rut where iron man has to fight a big metal suit. That's gonna get that. <laughs> that's gonna get really repetitious, which might be one of the reasons they really pivoted hard to Mandarin for Iron Man three. Like they didn't want every single movie ending with "Here's Iron Man fighting another sort of Iron Man like suit," and they got close to that in this movie. He fights Rhodey. It's not a fight to the death, but then him and Rhodey fight a bunch of suits, and then they fight a big suit, and it's like okay, enough is enough. No more robot fighting robots. Like we got to move on from this and. I think I think the introduction of Thor and the introduction of um, you know more alien threats makes it I think um, 
you know, makes it more interesting. And so Iron Man 2 does crescendo a little, like, it's good combat. We finally get to see him and War Machine fight side by side. But I do think the crescendo falls a little flat for that reason. It's just kind of a bunch of suits fighting suits. And, you know, that's how Iron Man 1 ends. Iron Man 1 ends with him fighting a bigger Iron Man suit. I think the fight in Iron Man 1 is cooler because it's it's really, really... He has to improvise. He has to, like... He's losing pieces of his suit. He has to do the ice trick. Like, there's a lot of different things he has to do to improvise the fact that he's he's fundamentally weaker um, than the big, the, big, the big suit that uh, Obadiah's in. So, I think that might be one of the reasons Iron Man 2 gets criticism is because that's what you remember. That's the end. You forget everything that leads up to it. It's great, great character building. Really cool things happen with S.H.I.E.L.D. and with Nick Fury and the, and the car fight scene and the, um, the, the portable suit and the suitcase and, you know, helping him with the infection and he makes the new element and he gets to see a video of his dad that's kind of touching. Um... You know, I, I think I think that is uh, I think that's good. Um, I think that's that's those are the parts that might get glossed over because the ending is just sort of like a oh it's just more it's just more suits fighting suits and I don't dislike suits fighting suits. I think it's cool, but I think it's more it's easier to connect when you get to the uh, the, the people and the aliens and obviously. Thanos, right? So, thank you guys for a hundred likes. Thank you so much for another big turnout. We're super close to unlocking monetization options for the channel, and today we'll probably push us over that edge. If you're new, this is essentially a book club for movies and TV shows. Here is the schedule. You can see there we're on the 21st, Iron Man 2. Mondays are for movies. Movies. We're working through the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and we're doing it chronologically just to see how that feels. Tuesdays and Thursdays are for TV shows. So Stranger Things and Breaking Bad are rounding out their first seasons, and we're going to jump into The Mandalorian next week so we can watch Season 1 right into Season 2. And then Wildcard Wednesdays are for people that support on Patreon as a VIP. They may get selected to be a uh, wildcard. And we've had some great movies this week. We are discussing Knives Out, which I loved it as a rewatch. I'd already seen it. So it was really, really enjoyable. So... Make sure you're subscribed to the channel with the bell button turned on. Monday through Thursday, Thursday we go live at 3 p.m. Eastern. Monday through Thursday, 3 p.m. Eastern, which is about an hour ago, is when we go live on this channel. So thanks for being here. We got another question. This is what we do. I do my reviews, my breakdowns, and then we do Q&A, and we might do VIP live call-ins. If you're, uh, if you're, if you're doing, uh, willing to do the VIP support, you can call in. So this is boring. Cool, you don't have to come back because you're banned. Uh, le- uh, last question the torch is Tony his own worst enemy accelerating his own condition telling Vanko to double the rotations on his arc reactor well that's the that's the ego right <laughs> that's the ego he's so egotistical he thinks this guy will surely never be a threat I'll give him free information and also accelerating his own condition he wasn't necessarily I- accelerating his own condition. He was also... He needed it. I mean, he, Jarvis sums it up. He says the suit is both keeping you alive and killing you. It's not like he was using the suit and the suit... If he would just stay out of the suit, he'd be okay. 
They didn't set that up as the dialogue. The dialogue was not, well, if you would stay out of the suit, you'd be all right, and you just keep indulging. No, 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 no. He wouldn't have been taking the 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 gross green sludge to try to slow the infection while also jumping in the suit and making it worse it was the chest piece that was killing him that's where the infection was coming from and that it, it wasn't uh it wasn't i don't think the suit itself because i mean jarvis says it's both keeping you alive and killing you so the narrative is clearly setting out that it, it's it's not necessarily the use of the suit it's that you need that thing to keep your you from dying and uh, and uh, and it, it, it and it's also killing you. He doesn't need the suit to show off at the Stark Expo. Yeah, but I don't know. The more palladium cores he used, the faster he started dying. They didn't. I don't think that they made that. I don't think they made that as a, as a strong narrative uh, narrative dialogue. It seemed that this the, the the just it being in his chest was killing him now if that's true in the grand scheme of the character of tony stark and iron man they didn't make that clear enough in the movie if you know that from the comics i think you have to at least admit it seemed kind of fuzzy is it the suit is it getting in the suit is getting in the suit making it worse because it doesn't say that jarvis doesn't say that jarvis doesn't say if you keep getting in the suit you know, you're making it worse. He doesn't, he, cause usually Jarvis will step in and say something if it's hurting him or going to hurt him. He warns him about shoving the new element in without testing it. He warns him about t- the test flight in the first movie. There is literally no warning about getting in the suit is making it worse. The more palladium he uses, the worse it gets. Ah, uh, I guess they don't really say that though. It's only said by proxy. Right. I mean, you're, you're admitting they don't really say it directly. I don't know. It, it seemed like using the suit would burn through it faster, but that was also just like that he was burning through them because I thought he set it up to, that that was to try to slow it down. Maybe I completely misunderstood. Maybe I completely misunderstood it. It's kind of implied that the more he uses it, the faster he'll succumb to his poisoning. Huh. I guess, I guess it was so understated because like he puts on the suit for his party. He's wearing the suit at the donut shop. I don't know. Uh, Krebsy. How did Rhodey make the suit work if they need to use the power from Tony's arc reactor? I might be wrong. It had its own. Don't you remember? Rhodey takes the arc reactor out before Hammer shows up. So they're all standing there around the War Machine, the War Machine suit. And Rhodey takes the arc reactor out and like tucks it away. I don't know if he does that. I think I think at least I took away from that. He knew the arc reactor technology needed to be protected and he didn't want Hammer coming in and getting his hands on it. So he yanks it out and he puts it away. Every suit gets their own reactor after Mark two or three. Yeah. And I, I think I think you're supposed to be like, oh, Rhodey's at least being cautious here. He's taking the arc reactor out because if if Hammer gets his hands on this, that's that's a problem. That's a problem. King Arthur with the next question: Do you think Tony becomes addicted to the power the suit gives him? Well, that's something that I said in my review that I think this movie sets up really well. His ego is being fueled by the suit and the prestige of it, like. 
it's actually not making him a better person. He's becoming more egotistical. He's becoming more full of himself. His whole speech he gives at the Ark Expo, I'm, I'm sorry, the Stark Expo, and obviously, I think they do that on purpose. He needs to go through a refinement period where he almost dies and becomes better. He creates the new element, and a, a change starts to happen in Tony. He's all by himself at the beginning, fighting this alone, and how's the movie end? Kissing Pepper, Rhodey and him fight together, and he's talking to the S.H.I.E.L.D. guys about how he's going to be a consultant. So he goes from fighting everything alone to being together in the end with everybody. And that happens, I think, because he almost dies. Um, so maybe that's, that's, that should be stated more apparently and more clearly that he's embracing death and just accepting the fact that the suit's going to kill him because he loves to use the suit too much. I mean, and maybe we're supposed to gather from it that he only starts using the suit more once he concludes, I can't save myself. He's at 19% at the Stark Expo, then he's at like 50-something, and he's like, I've studied every known element, there is no way to save me, this is it, this is the end, and that's why he just embraces wearing the suit. He's just like, I, what am I going to do? I might as well go out on a bang, go out on a bang. Um, you know, and they don't state it that strongly, but when he's talking to, to, to Nick Fury... And Nick Fury's like, you haven't you haven't tested them all. There's another one that needs to be discovered, basically. Like, it seems that Tony thought this is over, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna slowly die in a bed, I'd rather die in the suit, you know. So um yeah, we're doing this chronologically, so next is Thor. Again, if you're new and enjoying this show, uh, we're working our way through the Marvel Cinematic Universe on Mondays. So Monday through Thursday we do this show, Repeat Theater, an interactive podcast. It's basically a book club for movies and TV shows tomorrow. Um, we will end season one of Stranger Things by discussing it. Wednesday was a wild card picked by a VIP and it was Knives Out. And then we'll end season one of Breaking Bad uh, as well on uh, Thursday. And then Mandalorian's gonna cut in line so we can watch season one of Mando right into season two. So if you enjoy this type of content, once the memberships get activated on this channel, you can click join, get into the Discord, and then be a part of the watch parties. There's these cool extensions you can install in Chrome, and we get to watch these movies and TV shows together. You do need a subscription to Netflix, Disney Plus, or Amazon Prime to be a part of the watch parties. And that was really fun for Knives Out. And it'll be really fun for Mandalorian. I can't wait to do those uh, with you guys. It's going to be really, really, really fun when we're watching the Mando episodes when they're brand new together. I can't wait for that. Um, I forget what day of the week they come out. We might have to shuffle when Mando gets watched when season two starts. So, again, if you're new, please click subscribe and the bell button. That is free. It is free to subscribe. It's also free to like. We got a big turnout today. Again, really, really good viewership. Thank you for being here. Clicking subscribe and the like button is free. It's totally free. If you feel like joining the Patreon, use the Patreon command in chat. Exclamation point Patreon. As always, if you're listening or watching this elsewhere, please like, share, and subscribe. Thank you for listening to or watching another episode of Repeat Theater. This is going to be a VIP call-in session, basically a roundtable session after the Iron Man 2 movie review. If you're watching this live, you can always subscribe to the channel for free. We do this show Monday through Thursdays at 3 p.m. Eastern. 
basically a book club for movies and TV shows. On Mondays, we go through Marvel Cinematic Universe, uh, and then we'll move to other movies, but for right now, that's the theme for Mondays. And then Tuesdays and Thursdays are for TV. And if you're a VIP supporter, you can either call in like this or maybe pick what we watch for wild cards. This week's wild card is Knives Out. I'll put the I'll put the schedule up for a little bit while we start this VIP uh, call-in session. I've got Giza, JB, and Rexus on with me. Uh, and this is always a good time. Their mics will all be live the whole time, but more of a roundtable format. Not quite the same as our other show, where we have more of just an individual caller at the at, at certain times. And we will have spoilers during this, okay? If you're worried about spoilers for the entire MCU, we're going to get into them. So if you're watching through the MCU, like slowly but surely alongside of us, my Iron Man 2 review obviously contains spoilers about Iron Man 2. Like, you come to discuss it after watching it. But we're not going to get into you know, Endgame and Infinity War and all that whenever we're talking, you know, review and Q&A. But VIP call-ins, okay? During VIP call-ins, we're going to talk about everything. So if you don't want to hear those spoilers, get out. Don't listen, okay? So, um, I actually, I'm going to start with Rexus because he said there was something that happened in the movie that's like a split second. What what did you want to talk about? What was that thing that you said <coughs> got your interest? Yeah, it, it was, no, it was just, like, it was more surreal than really getting my interest it was just hold up a second uh maybe i also just misheard or it just because it is quite mumbled but i could swear there is a split second between t- uh, minutes or sorry, seconds 10 minutes 20 and 10 minute 25 where he asks a kid like this is when he gets uh, let out of the uh, presentation he had at stark expo mm-hmm. where he had this like big talk and then uh, went backstage and there were like some fans with for pictures and uh, autographs and one of the kids he signed the autograph for I could swear he asked that kid do you want to become an Avenger he d- I don't I, th- m- I might be I, I don't know what else it could be because I rewatched that scene like 10 times and I could not get what else it could be did you turn it on is very close... mumbled. It is hard. It is it is really just cut by the split second. If they cut like a fifth of a second later to that moment, it would not have been in there. I mean, I don't know. At that point, he knows about the Avengers initiative, but I don't know why he would have said that. I mean, he'd have to turn on exactly. closed captions to maybe see if he says it. Maybe it's a mistake that they left in by... Like in the original Star Wars where Luke says Carrie whenever he hugs Leia in episode episode four <laughs> and they edit it out now. Now he's like, yeah, like you can't really tell what he's saying. It could be a simple slip up that they forgot or left in. Who do you think he'd be saying it to? There's not that much time that passes. It was, it was the kid. It was the kid, one of the kids he, uh, where he gave an autograph where he signed the, uh, big poster. You know, what was, people in chat are asking for the timestamp. It's right after Stark Expo uh, when Happy's escorting yeah. him out. 10 minutes 20 seconds or 10 minutes 25 seconds somewhere between there somewhere between 10 10 20 and 10 25 for people that are interested if you're watching on netflix if you're watching somewhere else i'm not sure if the uh if there is like a little time difference or something like this i can't tell yeah i what i mean people in chat might be able to research that while we while we talk about something else just to circle back to it i mean i i cuz i didn't pick up on it i just thought it was just a kind of a throwaway scene kids are wearing iron man hats and or i'm masks i'm sorry and he's signing posters um 
It's the one. Yeah. Uh, it's the one wearing the Iron Man mask. Spider Man is the kid he protects from the AI robots at the end. The one was wearing really... the Iron Man mask. I'm not sure if that was um, actually confirmed. Oh, that's supposed to be Peter Parker at the Stark Expo. I didn't realize they did that at the end where he, where he, he rescues that kid or whatever. He like lands because the kid has the mask on and he's like pretending. Doesn't he say great job kid or whatever? And then he flies away. Um, he hadn't been bitten yet. How young would Peter have been though? Not that many years passed between this and civil war. What? Maybe five. I mean, I don't know. JB would be able to weigh in on a timeline there. I, if, if that even lines up, that doesn't seem right. What is it? Uh, People are claiming the kid he saves at the expo near the end, he like lands. One of the drones like scans a kid who's wearing an Iron Man oh, mask. The, he's, he's the kid um, uh, in game at the funeral, the one that's standing solo. That's the, the kid. Uh, that's the kid from Iron Man 3. So the one with the mask? I don't know. Yeah, the one with the mask I think is nobody. The kid at the funeral at the, at the end of Endgame is the kid from Iron Man 3. That he gives yeah. all the tech to. Yeah. Huh. The expo is in Flushing, Queens. A hop, skip, and a jump from Peter. It's possible. It would really depend on age, though. It's a little... It's a pretty little kid. I mean, I, how old is Iron Man supposed to be in Civil War? Was 16, maybe 17? I don't know. I don't think timeline's up for that. I agree with Geese. I don't think timeline's up for it. Um... I don't yeah, know. That's... Go ahead, Rexus. I'm pretty, sh- I'm pretty sure it was never confirmed either, so... Kid with the Iron Man mask, Kevin said, is Peter Parker. Uh, it sounds a lot like want to be an Avenger, but he's saying it would be my pleasure. Oh, okay, okay. That, so there we go. Somebody went and watched that part, um, and apparently it's... Uh... In Civil War, Peter is 14. Really? He's supposed no. to be... He's... He's 14 in Civil War? I thought it was like 16. Yeah, he's like 16. He's like a sophomore. Yeah. Because he's driving in the very, in his movie. He, he can drive. Can he drive? No, he can't drive, but. <laughs> oh, that's right. They get chauffeured. So, yeah, yeah he's got to yeah. be pretty young. 15, maybe, in Homecoming, which would make him maybe 14 in Civil War. Yeah, because in the next movie, remember, after the snap, even though they're a little bit older, they were, I think they were like seniors. So, kind of, I think yeah, I think they were seniors. So the snap was bit. It wouldn't make sense because the snap was how long was the snap? Five years, right? And it was, yeah. So, I don't. Yeah, that's the only thing that using them. You know, well, like how they still in high school? That was five years. Yeah, well, people are saying he's 15 in Homecoming. That would make sense why they can't get driven anywhere. They're always being driven. They always have to get a ride. Even his um, his aunt, his aunt drives him to the party. So he could have been, yeah, he could have been 14 in Civil War then. Like 14, then 15. Um, and then far from far from home, I guess, what, maybe 16? It, it's, I, I don't know. Yeah, it is weird that they're like seniors after the snap. Like, They've not been there. Why would they come back and be seniors? It sounds like it feels like they skipped a year. They skipped like junior year. They went right from sophomore to, to senior year. Um, 
yeah, I, I don't know if that's meant to be him. I mean, I, I know they try to put little Easter eggs and stuff like that in there, like the cap shield. I think the cap shield landed harder if you watch this release order. We watched it chronologically, so we're like, yeah, cap's around. Um, so they haven't really brought cap and Iron Man in proximity yet, but cap is cap is literally around in he's in he's in uh, he's in the present in Iron Man one and two, isn't he? I mean, the Avengers Initiative and and Fury's Fury's trying to potentially tap Iron Man to join them. So he hasn't brought him in proximity yet. So, uh, but I want to move on from that. Like, uh, I'm just going to go to Giza. What if there was something that you want to talk about or noticed or liked a lot about the movie or anything like that? Well, I guess the first thing I would bring up about this movie is again, sort of, as someone who sort of read comics when I was a kid, and the way they translate the actual comic book characters into the film, uh, just sort of about how it laid a sort of place in, into it. Because again, like, I also found it quite interesting. So, just particular villain who coming into the film I didn't know too much about him until he actually we saw him in the racetrack and he gets a whip and I thought that reminds me of a character called Whiplash I don't think they actually give his name in the film but there's a comic book from a villain called Whiplash had the same sort of attack methods completely different backstory it's nothing to do with like the Starks or anything as far as I'm aware um, but I sort of just knew him from the interactions he had with Spider-Man um but yeah, I thought just again, it was just quite interesting how they sort of take these villains and keep build them into this world. Um, I think Banco himself as a bad guy is it was okay. I mean, whole thinks his family's been done wrong by Starks, which is never really the case. They always kind of misremember these things and sort of carry that pain. But I thought it was okay. Uh, I guess maybe not the most original thing, but I think it was very well done. Mm-hmm. Um, sort of quite like Mickey Rourke, he's always. Not someone I would definitely expect if they were going to cast someone that kind of role, but he sort mm. of seemed to sort of do quite well with it. Um, did any, but yeah. before, before you go on, did anybody else think when you, I saw the original trailers for Iron Man 2, I thought he was going to be Omega Red. That's who I thought he was going to be. I didn't know if Omega Red and Iron Man ever crossed paths, but that's who he reminded me of. Yeah, when he's he, more X-Men than... Well, I think Omega Red, but he's more X-Men. Yeah, Omega Red is more X Men, but I haven't there been haven't there been some leaks thinking that he's going to be in one of the MCU TV shows, the um, the Cap and Falcon one or whatever. I mean, that's a fan. Oh, that was like a fan uh, creation. That, that that's still up in the air. Okay. Okay, go ahead, Giza. Sorry. No, but I say yeah. So I mean, I quite liked him, and I think sort of going through all the other characters, so sort of. Rhodey's War Machine and Black Widow the way they're actually introduced and again I suppose different people so people who maybe who know about them in the comics can have a different view to those who sort of never read the comics at all because we're going to know who Scarlett Johansson is when she first comes in I actually thought that was sort of done very well uh, in that we're sort of waiting for her to feel her true self Whereas maybe other people who are not familiar with her in the comics, when she like kind of flips happy over, it's like, oh, where, where did that come from? Mm-hmm. Kind of thing. And it's obviously the, the building up and obviously slowly integrating, I think, S.H.I.E.L.D. It into the main overall story as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, I'll sort of pick up on other things as we sort of progress through. But I mean, that's kind of a theme through all the Marvel things that always quite interests me, just how they translate it. 
because for me the comics are always the best way to feel your top characters visualized mm-hmm. i mean some of the tv programs from the 90s were just in terms of special effects quite frankly awful and terrible even though they had a nice kind of kitsch like a feels like the original incredible hulk with Rigno. you know you, as a kid you kind of just go with it but yeah seeing how they sort of realize now with the technology to actually do what they can do i think it's been really really good something they've pretty much excelled quite well in mm-hmm. sort of across the whole mcu it's as far as that too with character introductions i my wife and i both remarked about this scene last night with with black widow um the scene where she gives tony his drink and then puts his watch on there's two i i didn't like that scene because she asks him is that dirty enough for you and then she tells him i would do whatever i wanted to do with whoever i wanted to do it with i don't know i don't like that i'm like is she is she trying to is she flirting what is that like it's it's so weird to me because she i don't think there's an interest there she's not trying to like get tony into bed but man it certainly feels like it well i felt i mean certainly the first time you introduced Wade and obviously in the boxing ring um obviously sony clocks her straight away and i think the fact you know she kind of helped you see when he actually talk beckons her over she maintains eye contact the whole way even when she's getting into the ring itself mm-hmm. and i think that definitely intrigues tony because even though he's gone through all kinds of different floozies over the course of it you tell he's actually attracted to women who aren't actually in awe of him which is obviously why him and pepper potts obviously get along so well and i think he kind of sees that even when they kind of got the having a little staring contest and he kind of makes the as if he's responding to something she said she doesn't bat an eyelid she just kind of maintains mm-hmm. it like, like sizing each other up mm-hmm. and then of course then he sort of lets her i mean i wonder if the whole point of putting him in with happy was part of the test to see what how she'd react obviously when he goes for the sucker punch and then she like just drops him yeah but yeah but obviously it's just a, a, a foreshadowing of what she's gonna sort of do later on in the film yeah, I mean, yeah, and then how she evolves with her friend Tony over the years. Sven's asking, like, I just, it, I was more curious about the scene where it seemed like if Tony, if Tony wasn't clearly having a developing sort of romance with Pepper, it felt like that scene was about to be like, you know, some tumbling in the sheets. It's like th- she was. It seemed like she was coming on to him, which. I don't know if that's just Black Widow's way. Like, she always kind of speaks in doublespeak innuendo to get people to trip up. We see she uses yeah. this in other movies. We, yes, we know. Yes, that was a seduction. Yeah. So do you think that's more of along the lines of what was happening? Like, maybe she was trying to get him to trip up and say something because they wanted him to say more and they wanted to know more about him. They were kind mm-hmm. of assessing well, she him. But well, she was testing yeah yeah you know what i didn't consider that like she's basically putting she's putting together the file on him so she wanted to see like would has he has he matured or is he going to throw himself at her and he doesn't like honestly i mean that as far as (laughs) as far as a man and temptation goes like scarlett johansson handing you a drink and acting in that way i mean that's that's like a four scale alarm of 
you know, are you going to have self-control here? And he does. Like he doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't turn into a situation. But <laughs> then he gets drunk and puts on the Iron Man suit and acts like an a-hole. <laughs> you know. Um. So I want to go to JB. Sure. JB, what did you like? What do you think about this movie? As a, you know, you're a comic book fan. I think so, for some people, Iron Man Two does fall flat. They don't like it as much. I actually always end up liking it more than I remember I do. Um, what do you think? Well, fine. Well, for, for once I actually notes, so I'm hoping. Um, so basically, when director John Favreau developed Iron Man, so him him and seemed to discuss you know, crafting a trilogy and, you know, a source for Tony Stark's character with, with you know, Jeff Bridges being, uh, being Obadiah's name originally, he intended to become, you know, Iron Man in the sequels. But, you know, after he and the team became concerned that, you know, the original villain for Iron Man, the Mandarin, uh, would be too, you know, fantastical, that the Iron Monger was moved up to Iron Man 1. And then the intent was to figure out how to down the road. Um, which obviously felt flat with Iron Man 3. Um, then it said, then basically, you know, Downer became, you know, he was, his, he was discussing his ambitions about, you know, ideas for Iron Man 2. Now, one was a comic arc that I, you know, that I like particularly. And it, can, one of the arcs was. JB, can you move, Mike, move your mic real close to your mouth? You're cutting out just a little bit. I think it's just, you got to be, got to kind of eat the mic a little bit. Can you hear me now? Am I good? Yeah. Yeah, you're good. It's just cutting out a little bit. All right. So now one of the art um, in the comics was called uh, A Demon in a Bottle, which uh, zeroes in on Tony Stark's alcoholism. I mean, alcohol. And now this would tread familiarly with, you know, what Downey was going through in real life. Mm. And and then, you know, in his own very public struggle, substance abuse in the past, but then it became a point of concentration with Marvel Studios. You know, they want to shy away from anything too controversial with him. So, and they've said, you know, that they sell toys. So, um, when he was contacted to return, you know, for the Iron Man 2 with negotiations, and then negotiated with Terrence Howard, who first James wrote, mm-hmm. um, they had broke down. And he said, because, you know, Howard earned the biggest payday in Iron Man, and he was the first actor to cast in that film. So, you know, back in the day, Marvel was known for being notoriously stingy when it came to actor staff salary. So, um, the details of you know his contract stuff are a point where he claimed that he he got no explanation to his firing, mm-hmm. and he, he even said that um, apparently the contracts were right and signed right and sign they weren't on the paper that were printed that they were printed since the contracts weren't worth the paper that they were printed on mm. and and he said prom he says promises promises weren't kept and good faith negotiations always happen like that's what he said and um now getting he said and given that iron man 2 was seen as a significant you know stepping stone towards the avengers marvel you know they wanted a they also you know they wanted a movie to introduce black widow and then the studio, they actually, what's funny is they um, they were in talks with Emily Blunt. Like, she was supposed to actually play Black Widow. Mm. And and it was actually nearly hers, but she had um, conflicts with Gulliver's Travel. And that, that forced her to back out. So that's when, you know, they gave it to Scott Johansson. And 
And then like, you know, filming, you know, proceeded on Iron Man 2 without even a finished screenplay, which caused, you know, even more tensions on set and Favreau and Downing, who were famously known that they were writing Iron Man throughout production, you know, they still had, a, you know, a benefit of development, development time on one than they had on two. And they said they were, you know, they were racing against the clock since Marvel was, you know, becoming hands-on and then mm. including teasers for upcoming MCU movies and storylines. And then the, the loose nature of the script made things, you know, that much more difficult. So um, then then there was Rourke's rumors for that he and the crew at Marvel weren't really getting along. And that he that actually would go on to complain that, you know, the complexity of his character was left on the cutting room floor. And he even said that, you know, when he signed up to play Ivan in Iron Man, that he fought and he explained to Justin and to John that, you know, he wanted to bring some other layers and colors to the character and that, you know, just not not just make a rushing, complete, murderous, revenging bad guy. He said he just, you know, they he said they allowed him to do that, but unfortunately, Marvel just wanted a one-dimensional bad guy. So most of he says most of the performances just ended up on the floor. So, yeah. um, so, but you know, so but while some of the development and the production of Iron Man Two was rough, you know, the release was you know critically, and everyone agreed that the, the sequel wasn't as near as good as the first film, and the reaction was unkind, and the film's reputation got in hindsight. But again, to the point that Marvel only had made one excellent, you know, Iron Man One, and then a forgettable, incredible Hulk. So this movie wasn't really following an unprecedented run of successes. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? So, I mean, that's what boiled down to Iron Man. Yeah. Too. Yeah. I, I didn't know all those details. I knew, obviously I knew bits and pieces about, uh, you know, talks breaking down with Terrence Howard, which I think disappointed me. Um, I actually really liked him as Rhodey. I thought they're uh, especially their chemistry i actually feel their chemistry is stronger if you watch iron man one and you watch them interact on the plane and you watch them interact on their places where they're kind of like you can tell there's a history there they're friends and there's like this tension um i i love um oh, remind me of the actor's name i can't believe i forgot is the guy the, the second roadie um don cheeto don cheeto, don cheeto I, yeah yeah i love don cheeto i love him in the oceans mm. movies i think he's fantastic but I don't. I think there's a lack of chemistry between the two of them, which is, I think, unfortunate. Because I, I, I think he does a great job, but the the chemistry isn't there. I, I felt in the first movie that Terrence, Terrence Howard, and Robert Downey Jr. had a better chemistry that felt more believable as like friends um, that would kind of have each other's back. But there was a history. They fought like friends, and I don't feel like Cheadle and him fight like friends. I feel like there's a there's a superficiality, I think, to their interactions a little bit. And I don't fault Cheadle for that. I just think he gets thrust in and has to kind of pick the ball up. And he does a good job, but it doesn't feel as good as the first movie, I think, in that regard. Oh, yeah, because Terrence Howard... The thing with Terrence Howard is when he... The roles he plays, it's like he makes you feel that role. Like, he makes you feel it because he uh, how great of an actor he is. And, mm. his, and, his, and his emotions, like ties into it so it, i just felt like that that like you said that on-screen chemistry with him and you know robert downing would have been was so great it's just because how great of an actor mm -hmm. terrence howard is and, and get him, get him, i love don Cheadle too like i've watched almost everything he's been in and 
and I and I have to say I like towards down the line I think he just made you know War Machine his mm-hmm. like the more he you know the more movies that he played in and you got familiar with the role but you know it's just it was weird because he like when he saved Tony when he from the desert and that, from the first movie and stuff and how you seen it interact and stuff like that he was worried all that stuff is like you you felt it like that mm-hmm. that was like his best friend you know and and it seemed more with Cheeto it wasn't it wasn't more like it felt like best friends it felt more like colleagues yeah so you know what I mean so that and that again I guess that just played the way how they the chemistry was on set mm-hmm. I agree with what Creature's saying too Cheeto really grows into the role I love him I love him as as the MCU develops he's Vic I think he's very funny they use him for some good comic relief uh in endgame especially um and so i appreciate how much he did grow into the role it it's more of a regretful sort of ah man terrence had such good chemistry with tony it was sad to see that that come to an end because of off-screen you know negotiations that broke down wasn't there a report that robert downey was basically like i'm not gonna re-sign if you don't give a lot of these younger people more money like they were being stingy and a lot of the younger actors and actresses he was like pay him more money or i walk like that's just kind of his spirit isn't that something he did yeah no, i'm not probably i mean uh he i know his contract was uh what you call it uh i'm trying to get the word incentive based too as word mm-hmm. so he had some certain pull because remember at the same at the same time he was doing um, Iron Man, him and Favreau. They were also doing Tropic Thunder. Mm. So, you know, so he he had all that playing out well. So, I mean, he I know he I know his one tie in that he said when it came to anything with Marvel is, oh man, I don't know why I can't the, I don't know why I can't get the actress's name that plays Pepper Potts. Gwyneth uh, Paltrow. With Paltrow, yeah. Like, I know he said that he's not, like, he wants no other actress to ever play that role. Like, if, and if, you know, um, like, right now, the talk of him coming back, he said he's not coming. He only way he comes back is if Gwyneth Paltrow comes back. And then she had already announced that she's retired from MCU. So, I mean, who, who knows however that plays out. But, yeah, I mean, it was, it was, I'm sorry. It was reported uh, that Robert Downey Jr. put his role as Iron Man on the line with Marvel, and he fought to get the Avengers more money. Um, they refused to budge on contracts. Uh, apparently, they were being so successful. And then he essentially said, uh, with most of the cast of Age of Ultron only taking home 200000 uh, Downey urged Marvel to reconsider their salaries, and for comparison, he was given $50 million for his role in Age of Ultron. Uh, that's insane that he was making that much more. Um, and he's the one also, Robert Downey convinced Ruffalo to join uh, the MCU. It says that Downey reportedly went to Marvel and urged them to pay everyone better salaries. Uh, and it went on to become another success, made another $1.5 billion in ticket sales. Uh, the Age of Ultron did. So if he hadn't stepped in, Phase 3 of the MCMU would have uh, looked a lot differently is what this article is saying. So he did step in and say, you guys need to need to pay them more. Yeah, and that's the same thing that happened with um, 
because I know when it came to negotiations, it was the same thing with Samuel. Because um, you know, when he was signing on for that, they offered him, you know, to play Nick Fury for you know nine movies. Like they gave him a nine movie contract, and 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 it, it wasn't just, the only reason why they did that is because when they were doing the comics, because like I said, the the new comics are based on the MCU, and then the likeness of Samuel L. Jackson was in the comics, so he sued Marvel. And uh, on that nature, and then the only the you know they came to the negotiations was you know you, why don't you just play Nick Fury in the movies and that's how that all came about because mm. yeah that, that's the crazy part like they had drew his likeness up because originally the original Nick Fury is obviously the white guy yeah. and then and then it came to this Nick Fury and everybody was like that looks just like Samuel and then that's you know so it's like <laughs> you know, might as well. Yeah. Put him in there. Um, we got. I, I want to give us maybe about ten more minutes, maybe fifteen more minutes, because we, we we started a little bit late today. We're thirty minutes in. Uh, give you guys like a chance to mention anything else about Iron Man two uh, that maybe didn't get mentioned, or you want to talk about Rexus? Did, did we did we miss anything? My God, uh, I was holding out for, <laughs> for quite a while. First of all, I've got I've got a way too long list. I should make these lists smaller. Uh, but while we are still, I wanted to, while we were still on the topic, now we're not really anymore, but I want to jump back on the topic of War Machine. <clears throat> um, during your talk or the QA, I think, uh, you said that um, the name War Machine, like that he basically, um, that uh, Tony uh, mm-hmm. that addressed him as War Machine, and well, he sa- that he would says like it. spark it. No. I need to quickly say that no I think almost every suit has his nickname and this suit's nickname is War Machine it's the suit's I... name oh I thought the dialogue was you want to be a War Machine take you your wanna shot you want to be War Machine do you want to be War Machine do you want to be War Machine yeah every suit does have a nickname yeah, oh, it's not I did, do you I didn't... want to be a War Machine do you want to be okay. War Machine I didn't know that you yeah think... I had no idea yeah, like Hulkbuster. Hulkbuster is the name of the big suit. Like every suit does have a nickname. Yeah, that in, in Iron Man three, you see it very clearly. There's like he calls them, he calls half of them by uh, name. Hmm. I think I think the the big black one with the uh, with the giant uh, I don't know uh, uh, car uh, just propping up thing in the back of it is uh it's called igor just when he says uh, mm. stabilize the boat igor and he just runs yeah. through and that, yeah, yeah, that black suit yeah, just yeah. runs through containers and dong dong grabs the thing yeah because he has done tons of suits he has civil warrior which i doubt will ever get introduced he has uh superior now the woman iron man took even though I know they were about to do the demon in a bottle thing, in, mm-hmm. in the way the way he was reckless in the movie, it all it's, it almost felt like Superior Iron Man, which was when Tony basically was an ultimate dick, and he you know he he developed like this um, like this serum that like ugly people would take, and then it make everybody beautiful. It was just and he would sell it, and, and it was just. That comic is just crazy, but he had this all white suit, and he's almost looked as the bad guy. So yeah, like all the suits have different like names, meanings, and mm-hmm. you know, say like the people who he besides him that in Rosie that dons them, 
you know, um, like I said, uh, what's her name? Uh, I just I said it last time, but when Riri Williams, she becomes, you know, she gets her suit. She's Riri Williams, but she's, you know, Iron, Iron, I forgot, Iron Stars. Like, so each one has its name or what they are. Hmm. So, so, so he identifies the suit and not the person in it. So he would never call Rosie War Machine. He would always call him Rosie. Like, you know what I mean? And it's, yeah. mm-hmm. he'll say, like, you know, do you want to be? And so, because hmm. in the comics, he gives, he, and because in the comics, because when he gives, everybody has like a Hulk, he makes like everybody like their own version of like a Hulk buster to mm-hmm. fight the Hulk when he goes world break. It's crazy. So it's, I mean, it's just how stuff is. But um, last, sorry, like last week, I want to speak on something that Wolverine uh, touched on when it mm-hmm. came to uh, when you talk about the Far From Home and um, with the Mysterio. One thing I like uh, that I don't think people, well, I mean, comic people would get it, but um, the whole thing with uh, the end of. Uh, the second Spider-Man, where um, Far From Home, when um, Mysterio outs Peter Parker, and mm-hmm. and then another thing that's crazy is the J. Jonah Jameson from the Sony Spider-Man is the one that pops up on the MCU screen, which everybody flipped out about because yeah. that means like oh, it's a potential for those actors that re, you know replace their role in the MCU going forward um but I know people was wondering like okay like what's gonna happen but that's that also plays a role in the comics where um with Doctor Strange because you have Doctor Strange um two's movie is gonna be with one with uh uh Scarlet Witch mm-hmm. into the multiverse Doctor Strange is the one who wiped everybody's mind of the identity of Peter Parker first place so i'm i'm wondering if that is he going to be playing a role in the third spider-man movie oh that is that's that's just things like i said that they leave like those type of easter eggs that make you say hmm, mm-hmm. are they going to do this or you know i can see how they can get out of this plot with doing that because you know when when um iron man said i'm iron man and then peter parker off his mask in the comics and via Peter Parker, that was during Civil War. But obviously, we know that didn't happen in the movies before, but that's how the comics played out. So, but now in the movie, you got Mysterio out with him. Now you can have Doctor Strange playing the role of wiping everybody's mind of who Peter Parker actually is. Hmm. Yeah, I wonder if they'll do that. Uh, before we before we wrap, because that, that'll be... I, I actually love Doctor Strange, so if they pull him into more... Uh, into more of the storylines and stuff. I think that would be that would be awesome. Uh, by the way, for those of you that are tuning in, we, we we have had a spike in viewership. This always happens when we do some of these movies. We just get on. I think we just get on like recommendation, like runners or algorithms or something. Also, consider I have another channel and we bring people over from my other channel. Uh, for these episodes. We do these Monday through Thursday. Uh, we're working through the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Stranger Things, Breaking Bad. The schedule's right here. If you're enjoying the show, we do Q&As and live call-ins after my reviews, so click subscribe and the bell button. Uh, Giza, is there anything you kind of want to say as we as we wrap uh, anything about this movie in particular? Yeah. Go ahead. Just a quick one. Um, I like the... They made a clear distinction between War Machine and Iron Man uh, in the fact that we see when War Machine gets kitted up by Hammer Industries, 
very conventional type weapons, you know, sort of the minigun on the shoulder, some machine guns attached to the arms. And they sort of made that big distinction against Tony Stark, who has the more um, uh, futuristic style weapons, which mm -hmm. I thought was quite nice. And especially in the final fight where obviously he tries the, the ex-wife, it's just has a big dud. Mm -hmm. Then Tony gets out the, 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 the laser, red laser beams, which just wipes everything out. And I think that, that again shows, I guess, part of the whole the contrast between himself and Hammer, where they both seem to have kind of the style and the bravado, but Tony's one actually has the um, uh, substance behind it. That he, and fit, Hammer's always made to be a figure of fun, which he wasn't mm -hmm. really so much in the comics. He was sort of quite serious, threat and well respected arms manufacturer. Uh, but that's good. And then I guess for me, a bit of a nerdy moment, which I'll just quickly say is that the actual laser beam that he uses at the end just reminded me of a, an arcade game, Marvel Sea Pros, which is a Capcom fighting game, which I used to play. Yeah. And that, that move, yeah, the Pulse of Blast. Mm -hmm. Pulse yes. of Blast. So, so when they actually said it, I thought, oh my God, that's from the that's game. And it's like, that's my ultimate finish. Yeah. That was finish. It's like, oh my God. And it's, it's just a little nerd out moment. It's just so mm -hmm. cool just seeing that sort of 20 years later mm -hmm. and it looks so much better and like again going back to how the technology now just makes these things look so much cooler uh, than they did back then so that, that was like a really sort of good moment for me yeah i remember that move from was it Mar marvel alliance you could do marvel, that yeah because marvel superheroes was what i was thinking of just like a capcom fighting game yeah yeah because in the marvel alliance game you you had to build up to it as well you had to like save up energy and then he could do like the bzzz, he could spin around yeah. Um, and I remember that they do the same thing with the cap shield because in Marvel Alliance, he does, you could do combos and you, you and your buddy and he would like, I remember Iron Man shooting off a cap shield and they do that. They do that in Avengers. It's like, oh, yeah. no way. Yeah. That's lots of moments like that. All the old Marvel games, like the old X-Men, you use your mutant powers. You had to literally build it up before you can mm -hmm. like pop your claws and use the, you know. The all oh, what's his name? Cyclops is big, being big and just that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, I always I always hate to cut these short. Rexus, I'll give you one last chance. Go ahead. <laughs> Thanks. Like I got three big topics. That's I know. I know. First, uh, first, real quick one to draw attention to how nicely they made it that um, Tony suit line of suits and uh, Hammer's, or rather Ivan's line of suits, look so distinct. Tony high-tech and Ivan's suits, all of them, even his suit and the drones, look like really rugged, just Russian style. Mm. It's, mm. If you focus on it a little bit, it, it you see it clear as day. Mm -hmm. And it's it's just Russian bots. <laughs> and I love yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, I... No, I think that's a good observation because he's also very utilitarian. Like he goes and just rips the helmet out, and he's like, "No drone, better." He strips it down. And he's 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 making weapons. He's not really making flashy suits. And Iron Man, obviously, when he paints the suit, it's inspired by his love of hot rods. You know what I mean? So it's like it's there's a flashiness to Tony that influences the suits, and Ivan's just going for tools of war. You know? Exactly. So also, go ahead. Uh... A quick jab yeah ha hammer was just mostly built up as a joke like that hammer hammer is somewhat competent but more as a ceo and not as actually a visionary and a technician as mm -hmm. to 
as uh, the opposite there is Tony. He's, he's running his company kind of, especially since his trauma regarding uh, the shrapnels and the chest. Since then especially, but he's not running his company really crazily. And mm. Hammer is more on the company side and he's trying to pull out the flashiness and copy the flashiness of uh, Tony, but fails at every step he's trying to make in this movie every mm. time i mean uh you see him coming up oh yeah i can f I, I can uh upgrade weapon give a weapons upgrade to a piece of stark tech and uh Rody says like yeah but we're talking firepower uh he's he's having his uh <laughs> his lollipop in his mouth and cracks it you've come to the right guy yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're a joke <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> like I, I know it's meant to be that way, but it's it's every time cracking me up. And Tony never takes him seriously. I mean, during the hearing, he says, uh, "Justin, focus up." Like he calls him by his first name, just Justin, focus up. You're on TV while he's shredding him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, what I like too, like Hammer's trying to give it back to him. He keeps calling him Anthony. He keeps calling Tony Anthony <laughs> in that scene. <laughs> So. And he just doesn't get there. All right. Well, I got. I again. I got to end it there. I, we these yeah. ones could always go for forever. I need to make sure on Mondays we get over to repeat uh, quicker and jump through Q and A and everything faster, so we have more time for the call in. So if you guys are here live and you're like, "Oh, that's pretty cool. I'd love to call in." This is something you got to be a paying member for. We have a Patreon where you can become a VIP. We should have memberships active on this channel very, very soon because we are going to hit the uh, the required metrics for monetization to get turned on. I do think we get a lot of people in here who may think they can watch the movie on YouTube, but these are uh, movie reviews and discussions. So today was Iron Man 2. Next week will be Thor. We are also working through Stranger Things, Breaking Bad, uh, Knives Out will be discussed this week, and we're going to start The Mandalorian next week. Season 1 we will run that right into Season 2. So if you're watching or listening to this in the other locations and elsewhere, you can always show up live, repeattheaterlive.com, Monday through Thursdays around 3 p.m. Eastern. And as always, please like, share, and subscribe.